0: Welcome to Ladies Get Action.
1: The podcast where two best friends talk about getting action movies. This week we watched
0: Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which I mistakenly called Enter the Thunderdome
1: last week. I've always thought it was that was the title. Yeah, same. I've always heard I feel like I've always heard it kind of interchangeably used. So I don't really think you're to blame so much for that
0: (laughs) misnomer. Yeah, I had no clue it was called Beyond Thunderdome, but that's what we watched this week. In general, first thoughts, then we'll get into like how our weeks were and everything, but what did you think overall?
1: Okay, I have so much to say on this movie. And I think we should start by saying that the original Mad Max, we've already talked about this in uh, Escape from New York, but you know, we watched that hide of 2020 Loved it, I love that movie. I don't need to see it again anytime soon but I think about it a lot and it really, really has influenced how I see other movies and just when it comes to how I describe mood or tone or like social commentary, I keep going back to that movie. So I've heard a lot of really great things about this movie or just like things of like, oh, it's so fun. It's got Tina Turner, these outfits, this world. And I was really excited but I'm sort of having an existential crisis now because this movie, is nothing like the original Mad Max. I guess my overall takeaway from like the first get-go is what? What is this? I didn't love it. I'm I'm devastated. You're devastated? I'm crushed right now. Oh my god. I I had a very different experience.
0: Okay. Um, I think, yeah, this is nothing like the original Mad Max. But I think that may be our own fault for not watching the movie between those two movies. To see how the original Mad Max became this
1: film. I think... So I did go and watch the trailer. Did you watch the trailer? No. The second one? Okay. Um, I mean, I didn't like... I don't despise this movie. It's just not in the like Mad Max world for me. But I don't really think that there is an intermediary movie. I think that we just immediately go to a very different style and direction in the second one. Based on what I saw in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that... I'd always heard of Fury Road is kind of described as like... Uh, you know, the next sequel. But I think what it is, it's 2, 3, and Fury Road are meant to be like the series. And the original Mad Max is sort of stands on its own. Okay, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I had a very different experience with this film. I felt like it stood alone as a really fun action movie. Apart from general themes in the first Mad Max, and the character of Max, it's really disconnected from the first film almost entirely. I mean, we're missing the apocalypse. So that's one of the things that I hope the second film might include because the first one didn't really include that but I really I really enjoyed this movie on its own I thought this made a lot of sense to me why Fury Red was the way it was
1: oh I agree with that and I think I should say that I mean it's only when I'm comparing it to the first one or expecting it to be in the series with the first one that I am really disappointed and have like bigger thoughts mm-hmm. it was like it was a wacky action movie Yeah, I had
0: a blast during it. I, yeah, I never really was thinking about it as a comparison to the first one, because we've known that it was going to Fury Road no matter what, Mad Max as a series. So it seemed unlikely to me that, you know, again, skipping the second film, going right to the third film, that it wouldn't feel completely different from the original Mad Max, especially you know, even the poster. You know, this is not the sort of brooding, slow film that we watched in the
1: first Mad Max. Yeah, I think I just forgot that. I thought it was going to be back to back to the <laughs> first one. But it does make sense that it leads to Fury Road. It definitely does. Um, especially that the final act
0: of the film was like, oh, this is why th- Fury Road is what it is. And I liked the amount of the battle on the road stuff that we got in this film a lot. And I hated it in Fury Road because it's the entire movie.
1: Yeah, and this movie actually was really whimsical Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, which was fun and unexpected. I think if you can disconnect in
0: your mind this film being the same tonally as the first film, maybe you'll have a different opinion on it as an isolated a standalone film. And I think for the purposes of talking about it, we have to consider it as a standalone film because we've missed the film prior. We've not done the series justice by watching the films in the order in which they were intended. So we have to treat this as a standalone film in, as far as I feel.
1: Well, in that case, it was fun. I, I like, had a good time. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. <laughs> because I had such a good time and I, I found myself really captivated by it. And then by the time we got the kids in there, I was like, oh, my God, we're doing Hook. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: 100%. (laughs) Well, so here's my question. Do you think that George Miller, like, is Fury Road supposed to be a continuation of after this movie in, like, the same world? Or, sorry, two questions. Did he love this movie so much that he was like, I'm going to make it again, but better? Or was he like, I messed up so many parts in this movie, I'm going to make it again and different? I think it's
0: option C, which is a good... Thirty years or forty years after this film was released, and this was a hit, a movie studio said, "What IP do we already own?" And they said, "Oh, we own Mad Max. Would that make a movie?" And I said, "Yeah, let's put someone else in it, and let's just do it again, but like faster and louder and more stylish, and we'll just do the same movie, right?" Okay, right. And they took the wrong part of this movie (laughs) and they made that into a feature length film. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it was artistic at all, personally, like an artistic choice to continue the story in Fury Road. I think it's a, a monetary choice to continue the story 40 years after the fact or however many years after this film's release with a different cast based loosely within the world of Mad Max.
1: Do we think Mad Max is supposed to be an immortal?
0: Yes. I do
1: think that. That was a really big question for me because this is the last time I will reference the original one, I promise. <laughs> it feels sort of like I mean, in the first one, it's like the civilization has sort of broken down. Right. But we haven't hit the apocalypse yet. No, right? it does I mean, at least in my
0: recollection, I was thinking about the lot. I'm like, we should we go back and watch that to double check. Yeah, my understanding
1: was that it hadn't been apocalyptic, but it was the society had broken down. But this one is it's very clear that. There was an apocalypse. Like there was a nuclear war that destroyed the cities. And
0: I loved it. And I going into that those scenes, I was writing my notes, we really missed something. We really should have gone back and watched the second film. And then I realized, oh, perhaps we didn't miss anything,
1: because you have within the children's storytelling. I did love which, that part. Oh! It was so cute and so great in such an engaging way to tell this exposition. It was so well done. Yeah.
0: I loved that part. And then the parallel part at the end made me tear Mm -hmm. up.
1: This is a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm just, I'm just trying, I was just trying to figure out the relation to the original and like how George Miller saw his latest, because I didn't like the latest one. No, I hated the latest one too. But this one, yeah, this one was really whimsical in an otherwise bleak world. Yeah.
0: I, I wrote down at one point, this is an apocalypse movie that has a lot of hope. It's a really bright movie in a lot of ways. I mean, that said, the the beginning third is incredibly bleak yes. and brutalist, but we'll get into it. Okay. So I'm glad we, we both liked this movie as it is, had issues with it within a series. Yes. That's what, it, that's my problem with mm-hmm. it. Okay, cool. So we'll talk about both. We'll end up talking about how this works within the framework of the whole series, including the missing piece that we've lost and how we feel about it as an individual film. Agreed. But before we get too deep into the movie, how was your week? How are you doing?
1: We have hit that part in New York, in New York weather, in our timeline of the year, where I am just over everything <laughs> i don't want to be here i don't want to work yeah i don't want to get out of my bed mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. kind of is just where i am with everything like i should i move to california is this my time maybe <laughs> so that, that's where i am it was a very busy work week which is great but also busy and i'm kind of cranky yeah what about
0: you <laughs> very similar. I, you know, we shared the same, I don't know if it's like full to seasonal depression or if it's just living in New York in the winters, particularly miserable, because I really think somewhere else I feel different, but it's because it's isolating and it's dark early and it's freezing cold and it's physically painful to move around outside. It's just not a fun time to be here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like February 15th through about March 20th, just get out of New York, escape New York. <laughs> Exactly. If if only we all could escape from New York. But yeah, my week has
0: been super busy. I also am in a busy period at work. But I have some exciting things coming up. So that's really nice. Just not starting immediately. (laughs) But yeah, it's just been busy. And I am also over it. Good news is we have a trip coming up, which will be really fun. We have
1: a group trip to Disneyland. World.
0: Sorry. <laughs> we have a group trip to Disney World. That's right. I never understood the difference either until I realized, oh, okay, that one's here and this one's the other one. I just couldn't ever keep them apart, basically. Well, because also living in Alaska, going to Disney World was not really an, an accessible vacation for most part.
1: Yeah. Most people who would go to Disney would go to Disneyland. That makes California.
0: sense. Right. And being on the East Coast, we would go to Disney World. Right. Never went to Disneyland.
1: But I am excited to go to Disneyland. Dang it. Disney World. Because <laughs> the other thing is, Today was sort of the first real day where it felt like spring. So I had my window open and I was also grouchy about doing work. It's it's awful. Well, that's the hard part, right? Because we don't want to do work right now, but we
0: also really don't want to do work when it's nice out.
1: Right. But, but I will say when it starts <laughs> to get nicer out, that's when I go, oh, wow, living in New York City, it's, it's great. It's not so bad, you know, things start to feel alive again. Yeah. I mean,
0: if, I think if I had a balcony, it'd be a little bit different, like, cause then on a nice day when I'm working, at least be sitting outside working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it is also torture for me to sit inside even next to an open window where it's nice out and be on my computer.
1: Yeah. I think a balcony might be nice. You're right. Because the thought of dragging my computer to, like, the park... No. I would get no work done. You'd have no Wi-Fi, number one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you actually wouldn't get any work done. But then also, yeah, you wouldn't get any work done. In other words, Rebecca and I went out for drinks the other night and learned why you do not give a strange man at a bar your phone to take pictures with. <laughs> we looked super cute, and we were like, oh, let's get a picture. We're on this rooftop bar that's enclosed. They had this beautiful floral tunnel. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is going to be great. You know, we'll post it to the gram, etc. Yeah. I asked this man, because he was the closest person around, He was like, sure. He took a couple pictures and then he was like, let me get an artsy shot. And he tilted it. And I was like, oh, no, 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 dude. Just up and down vertical. That's all we want. Like maybe a horizontal, sure. But really, we just want vertical.
0: I knew it was a mistake from the moment you handed your phone to a man. (laughs) But he at least got us options. You know, many times a man will just get one singular picture and it's terrible. But he got... Many terrible pictures of us. (laughs) In defense of men, I will say James takes the best iPhone pictures. Oh, no, he's, he's very good, but he's a known man. This is
1: a strange man. Right. Never hand your phone to a strange man. This is true so PSA <laughs> the more you know I mean who are we supposed to hand it to the bartender would not make eye contact under any circumstances oh all bartenders are very good at that that's like a bartender skill when I was just a server first of all I was not a good server because I just wanted people to like be happy and like me and be okay <laughs> and so I was like overeager. I already know that's exactly how I would be and I'd be terrible at it Oh man, I can't tell you how many how many times I would like burst into tears, but I really wanted to be a bartender because I loved like that cool. They radiated the calm. They radiated the like, they just didn't care. Do you think you would have been able to
0: conjure that? Or would you have been the bartender who really wants everyone to love her and like is talking to everybody and like, you know, like a little golden retriever? What do you think?
1: <laughs> I was a great barista. I will say that. Oh yeah. But people like the baristas, chipper and cheery. Yeah, you want a golden retriever as your barista. Yeah. What's like a cool aloof dog that could be a bartender? Shiba Inu? Hmm, they seem snappy. They are snappy. They'd never be bartenders. <laughs> 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 maybe an Irish full found? Yeah, maybe. Or like a Dalmatian. Dalmatians are real snappy. Yeah, I think they'd be a good bartender. Maybe husky, actually. Huskies are really great about
0: being a little... And you know, they're literally icy (laughs) because they come from cold weather. They are icy.
1: Yeah, that'd be good. All right, we figured it out. About this movie. (sighs) Let's get into it. I did write, I have a feeling that this is what Fury Road is based off of. Oh, yeah. It it made a lot of sense. Also, I loved the opening song, sung by Tina Turner, I think,
0: right? She wrote, I think, two or three songs for this movie in particular, and they were both fantastic.
1: They were great. I would have loved to have seen a musical number from her.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I I actually appreciated that there wasn't one, too, because it really focused in on her acting and it made the character more real. So we start off and we're like in a massive desert scape and there's a covered wagon, which immediately you're going, okay, so the world has changed. Because in the original Mad Max, they were driving cars. Well, he we, wasn't in a desert. Well, that too. <laughs> I do think the second film bridges that, just from like the very small description I'd seen. It was like he leaves his town and finds like a gang of people like outside of like in the wilderness or something. And in any case, yeah, he's doing a covered wagon with camels, and then there's like a wagon heist. I did love that. Yeah, yeah, this little boy. <laughs> <laughs> and his dad are flying this plane and they have like a little scam that they run and the little boy distracts and the the dad swoops in and they end up stealing his wagon and camels and his little monkey too
1: i know that was so sad i was worried about the monkey same
0: a lot during this film and then that's when we see that like all these people are sort of migrating into this town and that's when we get introduced to what is it called
1: border town barter town okay, he might just call it border town <laughs> kind of same difference. I mean, yeah. What did you think of Barter Town? I thought it was a really effective way of setting up the world we were in straight from the get go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a man peddling water, and when yeah. Max like does his radioactive thing over it, he's like, hey, what's a little fallout? You know, it tells us very specifically that we're living in almost a lawless society. Mm-hmm. But as we later learn, it's not necessarily so lawless. Right. We're, yeah, we're introduced to a town
0: that's made its own rules where there are strict rules and enforcements. And I didn't even catch that radiation bit. Oh, yeah. It was like a
1: kind of a passing thing.
0: That's great. That's great detail. Because I knew they were like selling water. But yeah, you see people migrating into this town. You can see it's on like pol- like internal police force of guys who immediately I started thinking of the original Mad Max because they looked like them. Yes. Some of the the guys who are working with Tina Turner looked stylistically just like the, the bandits in the original Mad Max.
1: I was actually wondering if we would... Because I couldn't remember... I couldn't remember if the original villains in Mad Max died at the end, and I think they did, but I couldn't remember, and so I was like, do they show up again in other movies as sort of a continuing theme? But I agree with you, it was really, they were very much the same, mm-hmm. had the same sort of scary vibes. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It looks like maybe an extension of that gang had then like, you know, it seems like a generation later, truly.
1: Again, Max is an immortal.
0: Yeah. It seems like he's traveled through time. But maybe that same gang had then grown into this gang. But yeah, we're, we're introduced to this incredibly like brutalist, bleak, post-apocalyptic world. It actually looks a lot like Star Wars to me, too. Like one of the sand planets in Star Wars. And they're all bartering. And like, that's the thing here is that you barter. It seems like there was a brothel right away. There was a brothel, but there wasn't a bakery. <laughs> I just think a bakery would be your, like more of a priority than a brothel. Well, We didn't see it. Maybe there's someone making croissants. But this is where we get introduced to some of our main characters. We have Tina... Uh, I almost said Tina Fey. <laughs> we have Tina Turner. As Auntie. As Auntie, who's basically like the president. Or like the sheriff. And her minions, which includes a guy who's wearing this spooky mask as like a headpiece above his head. I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was a second person for a long time. Oh, and then once I realized, like once he turned his head a certain way, I'm
1: like, oh, that's just like this mask. Mm-hmm. It really was creepy. And then we also have that older guy who is like, I want to call him the collector, but I don't think that's his actual. Name. I like that title for him, though. It seems yeah, great. yeah,
0: yeah. Who introduces Mad Max to these people? Basically, because Mad Max gets in some fights, they realize, oh, he can fight. He's really strong. Let's use him for our political issue.
1: <laughs> but there's the scene where he's sort of negotiating what he can do to in exchange for, to get his um, wagon and camels back. Mm -hmm. And then they try to kill him. And he is so calm as he's being
0: strangled. Oh yeah. He's incredibly calm the whole time. He's like, okay, I'm going to throw this thing over here and stop you. And I'll, you know, shoot you like this. And he was just completely in control and very calm and doesn't kill any of them, but he foils all of them. Mm -hmm. And he's then proved himself to Tina Turner. Right. She says, you're the only one who has survived the audition. Yes. I loved Tina Turner right away. She goes, but he's just a raggedy man. <laughs> I go, brutal. And then she also had a great line. One day you're cock of the walk, the next you're a feather duster. She had
1: lots of great lines. Oh. I also thought that Barter Town really showed the commodification of life mm-hmm. between the pits and like, well, you can barter away your services for the brothel. Um, you know, the pigs, the just everything. Even after the apocalypse, or maybe especially after the apocalypse, life was not valued here. Mm-hmm. What I responded to, and maybe this is also what you were thinking,
0: what I responded to is how the economy was set up there really cleanly and like a structure of power Mm -hmm. so you have tina turner and her sort of security team who are ostensibly running things and clearly wrote the laws whatever that might mean and then you have the people underground who are actually doing the work and the people they seem to be prisoners who are laboring with the pigs And then you have Master and Breaker. I kept wanting to say Master Bader. I think it was Blaster. Was it Blaster? Yeah, you're right. Master Blaster. Yeah, I really kept wanting to say Bader. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then you have Master Blaster, who are running the show downstairs, essentially, but clinging very hard onto power, as you see from Master. Master. And really aggressively trying to take the means of production into their own hands and like seize whatever power they can.
1: But it's all incredibly brutal.
0: It's right. all nasty and mean. You know, Master isn't a good person either.
1: Yeah, I think, you're, I think that's more what I was responding to. You would think that in the apocalypse, people would work together out of, you know, sheer joy of being alive. But it, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting that, obviously, we've seen time and time again in movies and in actual end times. That's not what happens.
0: Yeah. This film did make me think a lot of Yellow Jackets and later parts, though, too, which you must watch. You will love so much. I will watch.
1: So I am a little confused about why he had to go to the pig foundry in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Was it just to meet Master Blaster?
0: Yes. So the reason he was down there was to interact with Master Blaster and to see who he would be fighting um, and to sort of start that interaction.
1: Oh, uh, okay, okay. Were I they mean, introduced it, to him? Yeah, it just felt like they could have taken that scene out. Obviously, we were introduced to... Well, pigs. we needed to
0: see how they functioned. Right. And also
1: see Mad Max
0: push back against him, um, which sets up the, the issue later when they when he stages a fight so they can get into the Thunderdome. But we're the Pigs. And actually, we're t- talking about the Pigs... First, I was very upset and very worried that they were killing all the pigs. And then I was thrilled that they weren't killing the pigs. They are just using their poo for methane gas. And I go, this is, this is brilliant. What a great environmental idea. You know, pig poo energy. We could all learn from this.
1: I thought I had the same sort of thought process where I thought they were slaughtering the pigs, which I, I was like, well, this makes sense in this society. But I did think it was really interesting that, I mean, that guy who is in jail, the convict. Yeah. He's in jail because he slaughtered a pig yeah pig killer mm-hmm. so does that just mean all these pigs are like He must have started a pig for food he did yeah but oh. what are they uh, yeah i guess the pigs are just getting to live their their happiest pig lives yeah just yeah to be an energy source yeah and that was, I thought
0: I really liked that. I thought that was a good twist. And then, you, yeah, you get the the dynamic with Master's extorting Tina Turner. And he keeps saying, embargo, embargo. And at first, I didn't know how to take Master, if I was supposed to laugh at him or if I was supposed to, like, hate him. But eventually, like, you kind of get the hang of him. But it takes a really long time um, for me to know how I was supposed to feel. But, yeah, he's he's turning off the power until... And forcing Tina Turner to say like, "Master is the real leader of of Breaker Town,"
1: or "Who runs uh, the Breaker Town?" Yeah, but Barter Town is it? Barter Town. Who runs Barter Town? Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah, nice little power power play there. Yeah, exactly.
0: And she folds to it, but that's why she employs Mad Max to go and not kill him because I guess they need Master's brain to keep the pig poo. Enterprise running. It is genius. <laughs> it is genius. Yeah, we have agreed. This is a great plan. But they don't need his body. His um, his partner Blaster. 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 I think. Yeah, they want him out of the picture, and that's what Mad Max is there to do.
1: Can we talk about Thunderdome? Oh yeah, the fight in Thunderdome. At first, what did you think of the aerial harnesses? Oh my gosh. Well, just to talk
0: about the Thunderdome, I. Realize I'm watching this. How many movies have ripped this idea off that I've seen over the years? Oh, like what? Oh my God, dozens. I can't think of anything specifically, but dozens of action movies had a literal dome like this where two men have to fight, and one enters, oh, yeah. One leaves. We've seen that a hundred times. So it was cool to see this original idea actually executed. I feel like there's one. There's one movie with like a robot child that had this in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? With like Bruce Willis, maybe. Oh uh, no. yeah it'll come to me later okay but i've seen this kind of structure in so many films so it's very exciting to see it for the first time yeah. They're strapped to bungee cords. <laughs> so the fight becomes like half acrobatics, half like
1: I brutal fight. It. Yeah. it was. Well, in the beginning, I thought I was like, oh my God, why would you do bungee cords? That's like not efficient. And then I watched Blaster smashing his foot down into mm. Max's back and Max would pop up and then he'd smash him down mm-hmm. again. I was like, oh my God, this is so brutal. Yeah. It was incredibly brutal. It's a it's a
0: brutal, brutal fight. That's what I noticed. He still has his police like belt. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there there's a shot of his belt and it said like police on it. Do you think that's the key to his immortality? <laughs> He's a cop?
1: <laughs> um <laughs> Like, that's his aging serum. It's stored in his belt. I have no idea. I mean, he could just be 20 years older. I'm just
0: wildly speculating <laughs> here. Oh, I also realized, like, this is their theater. Like, they had the announcer guy who came in and did the different rounds of this. It's such a spectacle. It was so funny. Like, oh, this is what they do. Like, this is their fun times. He said, dying time is here. And then, oh, my God, when we see Blaster oh, that part and the mask so came off. so
1: sad. I so upset.
0: I almost instantly started crying. Same, and I was so relieved that Mad Max didn't kill him after seeing that he's mentally disabled. And Mad Max stops himself, tries to stop Tina Turner from killing him. He's not successful. One of her goons, uh, the goon who comes back and back and back and back at the end. Speaking of immortality, that man does not die. <laughs> Yeah, this, the creep with the,
1: the ghost head above him ends up
0: killing poor Blaster anyway.
1: Yeah, and it really makes you understand Master's relationship to oh my, him. It was immediately tragic
0: because Master comes into the the Thunderdome and runs over to him and is crying and saying, he's just a boy. He doesn't understand what he's doing. It was really tragic, and yeah. crying over him. And it was very sad. But that that turn where Max didn't kill him Means now he's on Tina Turner's shit list. Yeah. And he goes to the
1: next round. The wheel of sentencing. Okay. <laughs> I thought the wheel of sentencing was going to be like a torture device. Not like an actual wheel of fortune where they spin it. And it's like, what will it be? Bust a deal. Face the wheel. That's what they said.
0: What? <laughs> I just love these rules they have. Yeah. The wheel felt like the second part of the, this theater production. So then we have the announcer again. Here's how the wheel works. Okay. If it spins the wheel and got gulag. Um, some of the other things in the wheel were like, give up all your possessions, or auntie's choice, or um, death. I didn't see any good things on the wheel. But then, you know, the announcer guy comes again, and just like, okay, now we're gonna do the gulag. <laughs> I love the MC guy. I heard that down. So here's when the film changes again, entirely. And I was so happy that it made this turn, because now it's like a Not a second movie, but it's the second act of this film. It's completely different from the first act.
1: Well, it's beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. title (laughs) makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote down it was really whimsical. Yeah.
0: I was so happy. So, you know, we have a really sad, you know, sort of series of moments where Mad Max is walking through the desert, or not walking, he's riding a horse through the desert. Side note,
1: I was surprised that they could afford to sacrifice a horse.
0: Yeah. That's very sad. Um... And he has no water, and the horse has no water, and...
1: Well, it just seems stupid for that civilization. Yeah. Like, they need animals.
0: Yeah, they should have just spun him around and, like, let him walk into the desert.
1: Right. I mean, it's not like they're going to punish Mad Max again for killing a resource, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was foolish. But in any case, he's wandering through the desert on this horse.
1: I just needed Tina Turner to be smarter about her resources. (laughs)
0: In any case, the horse dies, which is very sad and gets swallowed up by the sand. So you see there's like pits of quicksand within the desert. But meanwhile, Pig Killer, back in the the pig pits, Master's been knocked down there with him, which is really sad. Master seems to be very scared of the pigs. But Pig Killer, our friend, he ties a water bottle to the monkey and lets the monkey go. And the monkey finds Mad Max and saves his life.
1: He does. I really thought that they were going to do something more horrible with the pigs and that... Do you remember the scene in um, Wizard of Oz where Dorothy almost falls in the pig pits and everybody's very scared? hmm It's because pigs will eat humans. Yeah. So I was afraid that they were going to get rid of Master by having him be eaten. I thought... Yeah, I thought that too. But they didn't. They didn't. know Much better.
0: Yeah. No, I was worried about that too. But I was like, monkey, monkey's long journey and the horse eaten by the sand... And then um, we have an, our new characters, and I initially thought, "Uh oh, these are characters that we've we've missed out on, on from the second film." Mm-hmm. So I was worried that we were missing something important, but we weren't. Um, we have a new girl who looked like fifteen. Yeah, she looked about fifteen. Yeah, Savannah. Oh yeah, I didn't catch their names. I don't even think they said it. But yeah, we have a new girl who comes and rescues him and calls him Captain Morgan Walker, I think actually. <laughs>
1: Was it Captain Walker? Uh-huh. I wrote done Captain Morgan. Because they keep saying, Walker, Walker.
0: Anyway, she thinks she thinks he's someone else, and she saves him. And then they basically take care of him and bring him back to life. But, Let him
1: recuperate.
0: Yeah. In this beautiful oasis. Yeah. They. I mean, it's, it's the Island of Lost Boys. It really is. It's yeah. straight out of Peter Pan or Hook. I was really feeling Hook in this because he's the only adult there. Emily? <laughs> Do you want to go to your house? Do you want to go to your house? Yeah, go to your house, Good girl. Okay. When they had him at the camp, I was like, oh, this is like in Black Panther when they resurrected Black Panther after he had died. Oh. It looked like that when they had him like laid out like that. I can see that. I definitely got more hook. Well, yeah, reference. this is before like, a hook. Okay, okay. Right. But the kids are taking care of the monkey, and you're like, okay, this is like a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> and we introduced
1: to this island of lost boys what did you think of this part it was really interesting i was really worried for all the children i was really worried for their habitat i saw the boy screw loose with the like the um oh with the makeup yeah and that is something that comes back into play in fury road so i thought that was interesting but i loved this part i loved again and this is where we get the the retelling oh yeah and so you kind of get an idea of what's going on I think they handle that really brilliantly, actually,
0: because at first you're completely disoriented like he is, um, to be fair. And you don't know what's happened or these children have rescued him slash abducted him because when he comes to he's surprised to be there, but they're not surprised to see him. They say that he's this captain that they've been waiting for and he's going to take them away. And they think he can fly, where they try to push him off the platform to see if he can fly. And, you know, it's all these little kids. And at first I thought, oh, it's only little boys, but there are little girls there too. All these kids of all ages, finally they sit down and they tell him the story of why they think they know who he is, which is like a beautiful retelling of the whole apocalypse and what happened. And it's is
1: telling of like a plane crash that happened there, basically before these kids were born. Because the parents were fleeing from the cities. Yeah, And then they found this oasis and then the parents had these babies and then decided that it was time for them to go look for life, basically, and left all their children behind. But because the children have just had themselves to grow up with, they speak in this very specific language, basically, Mm -hmm. which was really interesting.
0: Yeah, and they don't have any, they have no memories of technology and no memories of what cities are or what planes are. And so they've invented their own ideas about how these things work based on what amount to cave paintings essentially, but like carvings into the wall from this plane crash, this terrible plane crash. And you see a, a list of names of the dead and markings of how many days they had been there that seemed like it went on
1: forever. I mean, I was wondering how, like, so it had to have been maybe two years since their parents left, right? Cause some of those children are like barely more than four. I didn't catch that the parents
0: left I caught that this plane crash had happened. Some people had survived, some
1: hadn't, and that's it. And then there are these children. What I understood was that they were fleeing the cities. Captain Walker flew them out. He landed the plane. They found this oasis. Well, the plane crashed because of turbulence. Right. right, right, right. Plane crashed. They found this oasis. They started having children and like building their own civilization. And then the parents, some of the parents were like, we should go back and see what happened. So he left, he, Captain Walker left with those people mm-hmm. and said so that they would come back. And that's why the children have been oh, that makes Captain sense. Walker.
0: Yeah. Um, in terms of why the children are so young, though, as you see later, a lot of these young children are having children. Oh, is that what it is? Do you remember when um, the little kids that go off on their walk, one of them says she's pregnant and she's about to pop? She didn't mean Savannah. She meant one of the little girls with her. Oh. And okay. then in the final scene where you see the little girl holding a baby, that was her baby. Oh. And then Savannah's okay. also holding a baby because she had a baby with the screw loose guy. Maybe. Or he's holding a baby too. But no, the little kids are having babies. Okay. I missed that part. Or like, I was just like, they're too young. They're all like four. They are too young. It's That's disturbing. But in any case, I thought the retelling was beautiful. I thought it was so cool and clever. I've never seen anything like it where they had the stick TV. Oh, I loved that. That was so cool. And I was like, oh wow, this is how they're doing their storytelling. And she explains that they tell that story to themselves every day and the kids know the lines from it and they repeat it. And this is like their mythology.
1: I thought it was really interesting also how you had these two civilizations compared Mm -hmm. with each other and they both had their very, very distinct forms of entertainment. Yeah. Where it's like with um, Barter Town you had the Thunderdome and with the Lost oasis you have this mythology and retelling and- yeah of a captain who's going to come back and he can fly them away mm-hmm. like savior
0: mythology basically yeah exactly and that they'll go back that they'll go to some city that like they'll go to what they call them um high skyscrapers, tomorrow high the- scrapers
1: the tomorrow morrow land yeah with their high scrapers
0: and and like video because they had none of that and then what they did have was a viewfinder um, with a couple pictures, like, one of a city, one of, like, a bridge, and a captain, and a woman. They're like, oh, and that's his wife. Like, they <laughs> no. they really made this story into what they needed it to be.
1: So, that mean, it's, it's probably been, because they say that Savannah is the only one who knew him, basically. And I wasn't sure. Did they say that? Mm-hmm. Well, they say that Savannah is the only one who tumbled with him, with Captain Walker. So, mm-hmm. it must have been, like at least 10 years since these any ad, adults have been there if not more yeah that makes sense i don't i don't
0: i don't know i didn't catch that part at all but yeah i really love this whole scene and you have mad max saying i am not this guy don't make me your idol this is what's real like there were cities this is what this is called and um, that is a plane yes there's an apocalypse but they're not there anymore like they're gone there's nothing to go to it's just this and like be happy you're here it's this and Bartertown. Well, he, he doesn't tell them about Bartertown until they start to leave. Right, 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 right. Which is a warning because he doesn't want them to go anywhere. Like he, he sees what they don't see, which is that they have paradise. And these kids are pretty safe. And he knows how dangerous it is anywhere else. But that's when a group of the kids decide they're going to leave without him
1: and go walk to the city. Yeah, led by Savannah and Finn.
0: Yeah. And Mad Max tries everything he can to stop them and warns them about Bartertown and tells them there's a much worse place than this. But they're kids.
1: Right. And it's interesting. I mean, just like we saw with Blaster, when he goes to like stop Savannah, he doesn't want to hit her. He doesn't want to hurt her. But there's a moment you can tell where he's like, if I don't knock you out, you're going to go anyway.
0: Yeah. So he does hit her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And having seen the first part of the film, we understand why it's imperative these kids don't go to Barter Town.
1: Right. You can't have... You can't have either half of the film without each other.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we get what's at stake for these little kids and how scary of an idea to, see, to think of them in that town. And so we understand, yeah, why he's pushing them so hard. And that's when you get to see the plane crash, too. Mm-hmm. That was very striking.
1: For a minute there, when they're all standing on top of the plane, chanting, basically, fly... I had a thought of like, well, maybe he's going to get in the plane and see if it can take off. Or, mm. I mean, I don't know how they do that with the sand. If this had been a different movie, he would have.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And this one, they, they go ahead and then, or no, they don't go ahead. He stops them and they go off in the night. They were going to do it anyway. Like, and it makes perfect sense for the kids. They've never seen anything like that. And all of a sudden this person is real to them. So everything else must be real. So he runs after them, and and some of the babies, some of the babies come with him.
1: I know. I love that um the scene. I guess it's a little bit later, but there's a scene where that little baby is using his pinky finger to shush somebody instead of, and then like he figures out he's supposed to be using his ring finger um, or like his index finger. And that child is like maybe three years old. The second
0: they involve these little little kids in this danger, like my heart was just going out of my chest. <laughs>
1: What did you think when Max is like, okay, fine, but they have to hold their own? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. He literally can't be holding every one of
0: these tiny babies and hope to save any of them or himself. But he does carry one of the babies on his on his shoulders. All of a sudden, he's leading a group of children into what will be battle. Um, and I said, is the monkey okay? That's most important. <laughs> oh, and we see the Bugs Bunny toy, too, earlier. It's like the one of the only signs of the the previous
1: world that we still have, and he's fa- Screw Loose is fascinated by it as he would be. Yeah, right. So they go to Bartertown to. Oh wait, I'm oh, sorry. My... Before we get there,
0: I do want to talk about the kid they lost. Oh my god, that was so sad. That was really tragic. That also really really upped the stakes because it was so heartbreaking. I don't think I've seen a movie like this kill a kid.
1: And They did, and with Mad Max series, I would say I also wasn't going to put it past them to kill more of them. Mm -hmm. More of the kids. Like, I wasn't going to be surprised. I was trying to, like, brace myself for the moment where Tina Turner just orders an all-out strike on the children, and we see, like, ten of them perish. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you wanted to know where mine,
0: like, where I was bracing myself for. I couldn't handle that. But what happens is we see him uh, Mad Max catch up to the kids who'd run away first and they're being pulled into a sand pit. And one of the little ones is at the bottom of this sort of uh, daisy chain of arms, pulling them out. And he gets lost to the sand.
1: Yeah. It's Finn. Who is the one that Savannah, the girl who rescued Mad Max, that's the first child that she sees and is like, Finn, we've got Walker. Oh, So it's like already a baby that we know
0: awful it was really sad they don't have any time to mourn it they just have to keep going but that really my god if they could kill a kid it's so sad um uh, but yeah then they're back to border town barter town town
1: <laughs> and there it also felt very very hook oh, like oh yeah lost boys lost boys isn't like peter and lost boys not like the lost boys the 1980 vampire movie no of
0: course yeah peter pan um yeah very much like hook but yeah, we have them back in Bartertown, and I asked myself because he said something: Bartertown's our only chance. Like, why is Bartertown your only chance? it's oh for water? Is they've gone too far now?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I was wondering that too, though. Like, really, anywhere else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the only places that
0: would be close enough. And then we have like a little heist almost. Yeah,
1: to get Master out of right Bartertown.
0: Right, exactly. I feel like Mad Max realizes Master's uh, importance in and bartering basically their freedom but also just importance in general and so he has the kids like break into the underground with all the pigs and that's when we see pig killer and he turns out to be a friend because he's petting the piglets i know oh he's petting
1: the little piglets which was very cute well, and also, he was a family man before becoming a convict. You know, he had a wife and kids. I didn't catch that. Oh, that's why he's in jail. He's, I must have missed that part. Oh, that's why he's a pig killer because he had to he like, feed his family. He was like, well, I had to feed the wife and kids. And then Mad Max is like, oh, sorry, this happened. And Pigkiller is like, well, uh, life expectancy in here is like two to three years. So, oh, I'm, that's what I caught. I didn't yeah. catch the other part.
0: But yeah, Pig Killer is good. And he's like petting the piglets and. A little, little baby comes up to him. And he's just like, okay, hey. That's that's when he shushes him with his pinky finger. <laughs> oh, so Yeah, that cute. was very cute. And basically, the kids launch an attack on, uh, on Tina Turner's gang to get Master out of there. It was really
1: exciting. And they succeed. They get him out. They do succeed. And then we have a scene where Tina Turner is basically like... Bring Master back, you can kill anybody else. Oh yeah. So in
0: in doing so, they shut the power off and they steal a train.
1: Right, right.
0: And in stealing the train, they basically blow up the underworld and all the pigs get loose and the power is gone from up on top. And it's mayhem in Tina Turner Turner's like Badlands, whatever it's called. Or town. <laughs> whatever. But it's it's madness and people are leaving town. And her gang is trying to get them to not leave town. They're like, "Where else are you going to go?" But people are are escaping because there's no more power. There's no more food. Uh, there's no more anything.
1: Right. They're escaping. The whole
0: society is ruined. That's
1: oh. what. It, yeah. Okay. So I wasn't sure if they were like just escaping or if they were like, "We gotta go get those kids." But she no. says
0: that to try to and, her people. Yeah. Yeah. To try and get Master back, mm-hmm. so he can put the power back on. Because without him, there's nothing. And so, no, the, her whole society is ruined now. Yeah. In escaping and taking Master, they've they've ruined the entire town for her. And so that's when she gets in her cars and she's like, okay, we got to go after this train car and get Master back. And he's the one I wanted to bring back alive and, like, fuck the rest. Um, and that's when it felt like Fury Road all of a sudden. Yeah. But it also reminded me of some of our um, our moving car chase heists from Fast, too. I thought that, too. Yeah. Because they were jumping from car
1: to car and trying mm-hmm. to get them off the train and, tra- like, crawling all over different vehicles. Yeah, this movie really did set up, I mean, so the original Mad Max set up apocalyptic films. This one set up, like, both car chases and car fighting.
0: Yeah, because it got some of the wild cars in this, too, that we see in Fury Road later on. Yeah, this Fury Road, I still don't like it. It makes a lot more sense. It does make sense. I don't think it makes it a good movie. No, no, it doesn't. I think it's still a terrible movie, but it makes sense how it came to be watching this
1: film. Yeah, and then they crash into our friends from the, the beginning. The little boy who's, like, they, they're on the oh, train. Oh, yes, the, the heist from um the pilot and his son. Yes, so they get to the end of the train line, and there's this little five-year-old being like, don't move or, you know, I'll shoot you. And then he realizes that there's this whole caravan of cars behind him.
0: Oh, yeah, and this is also when we have our our main gang member. Um, I done his name. Bone Man? Iron Bar. <laughs> okay well you're gonna love the actor's name what's his name angry anderson love it is the actor's name that's fantastic yeah (laughs) so we have iron bar who's been the one with the ghost face above his own head Mm -hmm. um attacking them and attacking them and attacking them and not dying getting burnt up getting hit with a
1: car this way and that way getting submerged in a vat of pig shit
0: oh yeah he's just not dying at all and then pig killer gets skewered in his leg yeah, it's a brutal a... fight. It's really scary. And then I heard the baby with from the beginning with plain daddy. Um, and then we see there's another underground world that they're living in. Yeah, they've really
1: set themselves up for success. Well, or, or not, I guess. <laughs> well, not now. I mean, if Mad Max hadn't intervened, they'd be fine. Right. But yeah, you, you see another little
0: mini society because when uh, Tina Turner rolls through, there's more little houses on there. You see another little society that's built itself like underneath the sand. Mm-hmm. And they go down there. They extort uh, Plane Daddy to get his plane running. And they, they try and get the plane out of there. And then we're basically at the end of the film. But uh, the crispy bad guy just won't die. He's still there. Tina Turner's still there. And they get on the plane. And it's too heavy. And so Mad Max decides to sacrifice himself. Basically stop the caravan of cars. They have enough runway to take off. and are light enough to take off. The plane with all the babies... <laughs> And Master and the daddy and his little boy who had done the heist at the beginning all fly off to safety. And Mad Max faces Tina Turner and her gang all by himself.
1: Yeah, that's such a great exit. I love it. I love it how she like looks at him as, and is basically like, good job. You ruined everything. Yeah. See a Raggedy Man. Yeah, because he stops her. He effectively stops her gang, but
0: doesn't kill her. Presumably, finally, it's, uh, Iron Bar is dead. Hopefully. Maybe. <laughs> But yeah, Tina Turner just turns in and she goes, yeah, all right, you can live, I guess.
1: Like, you've ruined it all. And then we get basically what is like a post credit scene in a superhero, superhero movie. Yeah, we get
0: a beautiful epilogue, which it's the plane and we see that we're in Sydney. We've been in Sydney this whole time. We're outside Sydney. Oh, yeah, um, the shot
1: with the opera house was chilling
0: yeah and we see like a post-apocalyptic sydney and all the the buildings are all dust and we see them set up in a new place and she's now telling a story to a new group of people a lot of them children but look like some you know not children too
1: yeah there are some adults there
0: yeah um maybe people they'd found around there who knows but all the babies had their own babies Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh and she had a baby again She's the oldest one there, holding a baby, but she's telling a new story, and she's telling the story of the apocalypse and what happened to them and how they found this new place. And she said they keep the lights on because someday they'll see the distant light and they'll be coming home.
1: I know that like made me tear up so much. And I, then yeah, at the end Sydney, I like too. there are all these little lights, and you can see they've sort of either it's fire, they figured out a way to bring yes. electricity, and it was so hopeful.
0: Right. Because yeah, there's like a, they basically created a beacon for if Mad Max or if anyone else finds or needs a place to stay, they've created what would hopefully be a new society there that yeah, it's just tons of hope. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And then the the second Tina Turner song plays, we don't need another hero. (laughs) which was fantastic it was yeah and that's where you know i ended thinking a lot about mad max as a hero
1: in this movie he doesn't want to be no he's a very reluctant hero i mean he didn't want to be the first one either he just wanted to live his life he didn't i mean he's not really an anti-hero no but he's definitely very reluctant to oh yeah do anything
0: well yeah this film and the first film we don't know about the second
1: but both these films
0: are about a man who, by circumstance, stumbles into having to become a hero. In both films, he's just trying to live his life and that gets interrupted. And then suddenly he's on a completely different course. Mm -hmm. I just loved it. And then he ends up doing, the heroic thing he ends up doing, though, is sacrificing himself for all these kids. He didn't need to and maybe wouldn't have made
1: that choice at the beginning of the film. Yeah, he goes on his own hero's journey. Yeah. And really rediscovers his morals and ethics, Mm -hmm. I'd say. Throughout the course of this film, definitely, and taking care of those kids, mm-hmm. even as reluctant as he was to do that, you
0: know, in deciding to punch Savannah was a great moment where he's deciding to be a parental figure to her and to not let her just go kill herself, essentially out in the desert.
1: Well, the moment where he he's basically trying not to kill anybody, you know, Yes. Yeah. first meeting with Tina Turner when he has to go up against Blaster, mm-hmm. all the stuff with the children. Yeah. Yeah, As a standalone movie. This is really, it's really great. I thought it was
0: fantastic, right?
1: Yeah. But as a series, let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah, your thoughts? I feel like I talked, I just ranted at the beginning. So. <laughs> I mean, as a series,
0: I can see how this and the original Mad Max are are connected. But again, I don't think I can... I don't think it makes any sense for me to talk about how they work together without seeing the film between them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Because I, I don't know how they got from point A to point C. I only know point A and C and D. But I love the first film. I don't think I'd watch it again. I would watch this film again. This was fun. I really enjoyed this movie. Like, I enjoyed the first film too. And I feel like they're both about a man who has to, to confront his darkest side and decide to engage with it and become a hero by circumstance, and throughout the course, of the film does that. So I feel like they're similar in that way. Really, in a society that would reward him for doing the opposite. Exactly. Yeah, an incredibly brutalist society where he's being encouraged to do the opposite of that. He decides to make a heroic choice and be as human as possible. Uh, so I think these movies really do fit well together. I think it's the same idea, just being worked out in different ways. And this one's a fantastical action movie. This one's a post-apocalyptic, you know, big set pieces here, big story over here. You know, we have the world of, of the barter town, which is brutalist and nasty and dark and hard. But even in that space, you have people like Pig Killer, who have really sad, compelling stories, and Master and Blaster, who are also have a very sad but sweet relationship where they're taking care of each other. And Tina Turner, who I loved, who <laughs> was just really fun. And then you have the world of the kids which is its own beautiful place where these kids are taking care of each other and also trying to, through the the tradition of oral oral storytelling, trying to keep some kind of hope and mythology alive for themselves, like a religion for themselves to give the kids purpose. I just thought it was really beautiful.
1: Yeah, I see. I mean, when when we talk about how, what like at its core this movie is about and like how it's about man doing this, I think I was just so taken by surprise at what I expected the rest of the series to be compared to the first one. And again, we haven't seen the second one, so I don't know. And I've I so, so didn't like Fury Road that I think anything that reminded me of Fury Road, I was really ready to just like write it off and question George Miller's directing choices. But yeah, I think there's so much to like about this movie and it really makes me excited to go back and watch Road Warrior to see what happens in there and see if that same theme runs through it. Yeah, and that may not be
0: as good of a movie. Like, I did hear this is the best movie. Right. And now I understand why people say that. Um, Like, my dad always said this is his favorite one. That he liked the first one a lot, and he loved this one. And I can understand why that way you would connect the two, but also why this one um, is a lot of people's favorite, because it has so much fun. I mean, half it's of it's fun. Half of the movie yeah. is Hook. Half the other movie is a scary post-apocalyptic dark sort of world where there's this big battle scene, but he doesn't end up – hurting anybody really you know and then this fabulous big chase scene at the end just like in our other like favorite series fast and furious i mean it has all the things that you want and a beautiful ending too that ties back to the beginning
1: yeah it's rare to find hope in apocalyptic movies Mm -hmm.
0: well that in that way it does remind me of station 11 quite a bit and there is a bunch of stuff in there that's similar to here like the roaming children on their own the idea that they have this mythology that they're following to the t and in station 11 it's incredibly tragic because the kids are following somebody who's sick and using them as as basically suicide bombers. And in this story, this story is what's sustaining these kids. And even though they've misdirected hope in Mad Max, it's still benevolent hope and it's not used in a twisted way. So do you feel differently
1: about this movie now than when you started? I do. I think it's really important for me to distinguish it as a separate movie mm-hmm. from both the original Mad Max with the exception of the themes that we just talked about, and from Fury Road. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I really love about 80s action sci-fi movies done well is how whimsical they are. Yeah. There's this just this level of delight that you don't really find in, in today's movies.
0: Yeah, it was really, you know... Even as dark as some of the scenes, in, um I can't hold on to that name no matter what. My brain, my brain does not <laughs> want to latch on to it. It's like, nope. As brutal as some of the scenes in Bartertown are, they're still fun. You, you know, you're using. Piggy energy. Piggy poo energy. Um, No one's hurting an animal in this movie at any point. A kid dies, but not by the hand of somebody else by a tragic accident.
1: I also really, I mean, Tina Turner is the antagonist, but she is so great that I'm rooting for her too. Well, is she really the antagonist? Because you understand where she's coming from in the beginning. Because you
0: have this man demeaning her and, and asking her to debase herself publicly to him, and say, you're really in charge, or you're in charge, or you're in charge. And I mean, it's really demeaning. And so you feel for her in those moments. You're like, okay, this guy is taking advantage of his position of
1: power. Well, I, I mean, I think she is the antagonist to Mad Max, but that doesn't mean I don't like her or don't support her. And, and also, yeah. she's like, I love her story where she's like, yep, I'm a, I was a nobody who became a somebody. Yeah, that was great,
0: too. Um, yeah, I think she's the antagonist to Mad Max after he decides to not kill Blaster. Blaster. Agreed. Uh, but not before that. And then w- when she goes after him, she doesn't kill him on purpose. She's not really the antagonist, I don't think. She's she's somebody who's now lost everything again. But she's also somebody who I feel confident will rebuild. And that's why she doesn't feel
1: need to, like, kill Mad Max out of spite. This really is basically a Western film. Like, you could take this and make it into, like... Sure. I mean, you could put it in any sort of situation. and It would still, I think, hold up. Which is why it's so fun that it is in this fantastical setting. But I'm just thinking of like, okay, so she's the the sheriff of the town who has really built this town to be up what it is. And she's getting demeaned by, you know, it's it, it lends yeah. itself to a million other situations. Definitely. I mean, you even have kind of the trope of the preacher mm-hmm. as our MC. Oh, yeah. You know? But I really enjoyed this movie. Uh,
0: to bring it all back around, I, like we were saying in the beginning, I really loved the original Mad Max for all the reasons we've discussed you know endlessly i love this movie for different reasons i thought it was also totally great but i really loved like you, you keep saying the whimsy um i love the storytelling i loved all the different set pieces i love how each act is completely different vibe but the story is so tight that we we know exactly where we're going the whole time i really enjoyed it i had i had a ton of fun in this movie trash can fire rating i would definitely give it i think this one's like a Four for me, maybe even a 4.5. Ooh. What about for you?
1: It's definitely at least a three.
0: Yeah, I could give it a four. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a four for me. I'm gonna land on four. So that's how we felt about Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Both pretty big fans, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so next week we'll be coming back with Den of Thieves. So if you want to watch the movie, that's great. If you don't, welcome to come back anyway. We'll talk all about it. And in the meantime, if you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us at ladiesgetaction. We've been posting cute pictures of my dog, Emily, (laughs) of um, fun facts for each episode. Our key takeaways. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to suggest a film, you can email us at ladiesgetaction at gmail.com.
1: We do reserve the right to veto. Any film options, but we will happily accept recommendations. Yes. Um, and compliments. Always compliments.
0: <laughs> and then please leave a five star review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you hear this podcast. And then in the
1: meantime, Rin, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at Rin Olson. That's R I N O L S S O N. Rebecca, where can people find you? Uh, you can
0: find me on Instagram at Rebecca Ringley Casting. Um, And my personal account, at
1: Rebecca Ringley, which is usually private. So good luck. (laughs) You have to be really special to be accepted, okay? Right. Or a dog. Um. You get so many requests from, like, fake accounts with dogs. Oh, no. (laughs) In the meantime, get some some action. action.